All right. Welcome to another episode of the Science of Hitting podcast. Uh, with me today, I have two guests, which I think is the first time I've ever done this. The first one is returning for, I don't know, probably the fifth time now. Um, many of you probably know him as the monger of media. We're going to get that name to stick. Um, he, he also edits most of my Substack posts, so I, I can assure you that he's the reason why many of them end up being much better than they are before they get in his hands. So thank you to him for that. But my buddy, Francisco Oliveira. Francisco, how you doing? Doing great. And I will never claim the longer media um, title. That's all right. We'll just keep saying it. Don't worry. Uh, and my, my second guest today, Sleepball Cap. He's a really thoughtful investor. He's uh, you know very well versed on streaming, record labels, economics, and music. Um, he also has a really good sub stack. You should pause this right now and go sign up sleepwell.substack.com sleep how you doing hey thank you for having me alex and um excited for for this one uh newer format that, that we're going to be trying out yeah yeah spots a name for me that both of you were were big on me kind of getting up to speed on it and really getting interested in it over time so should be a good discussion. Um, I'll just give a quick intro and then you guys jump in and, and run with it. You know, these reported second quarter results, um, you know, user numbers are up to 165 million premium subs, 210 million ad supported. Both of those have doubled in the last three years, call it mid twenties CAGR, uh, trailing 12 month gross margins at 25.9% past three years, about 50 bips a year of margin expansion. And I just say also as well, balance balance sheet strong, cash flow dynamics look fine given you know the nature of this business. Obviously, reinvesting for growth and things like that. So I, for me, they're really in a position where they can do just about anything that they see as worthwhile as opportunities continue to arise. So, what what do you guys see in this quarter that kind of gets you excited? I guess we'll just start off with sleep. Yeah, well, I mean the obvious one that I think everyone is well aware of is was the advertising side, right? I think it's, and even obviously management was very upfront about it, but I think the one kind of phrase that stuck with me from the, from the call that Daniel said was that, that basically the, the days of 10% uh, advertising kind of, of, a, of the to total revenues are behind us, right? So, I think that points to kind of an inflection point going forward where they have bigger ambitions for, for advertising and, and we're already seeing very encouraging signs from that, right? So I think that's definitely um, something to, to keep, keep a close eye on on the, on the next couple, a couple quarters. It was clearly, uh, I mean, the demand was, was very high, but more importantly, it was, I mean, the, their growth was, even even though you wouldn't, I mean, just by looking at the numbers, you wouldn't even think so. But he, they pointed out to to being inventory constrained. So that's also another another very encouraging metric to to look out for because obviously, as they as they keep expanding um, their their inventory, both from on the original side as well as giving the option to to uh, podcasters that want to take part in in their. In their, you know, the streaming ad insertion technology through either megaphone or anchor, et cetera, it's gonna it's gonna keep on increasing and and it should give them pretty pretty long runway growth going going forward on that side of the of the business. So I guess that's probably a good good place to start in terms of, of one of the the big positives. Um, I don't know what what you think, Francisco. No, yeah, I agree. Um... That quote from Daniel L. Eck on saying, you know, basically the one that you mentioned, sleep on ten percent advertising revenue as as part of the whole percentage of revenue being over those days being over. I think it's very powerful because when you think about what he's trying to do, what the company's been trying to do is to morph to a music subscription company um, to they wrote their audio first letter in beginning of 2019 they then talked about being an audio platform now they talk about being an audio browser and they've done a lot of things to progress right but being forceful and saying like hey 10 percent of revenue advertising those are over it's going to be a lot bigger in in their investor day 
extreme on it that they said it could be you know, very, very long term, right? As high as 40%. If you think about that in the context of the company, that means extremely high revenue growth. But then you peel that back and it's like, okay, how do they achieve extremely high advertising growth? And it's it's you know, it's podcasting, right? It's it's non-music audio. And like you said, their inventory constraint, how do they more inventory while they get more exclusive, right? And they get more podcasts on megaphone to a lesser extent anchor. Um, and in in July, right, they they have two new big shows in particularly in the United States, the armchair expert um, podcast and call her daddy podcast both launching in July. They say that original exclusives, you know, increase engagement, so they bring current users to test out podcasts, they acquire new users who listen to those podcasts on other platforms, and they, they own a lot more advertising inventory. So I think I feel very good about, um, what they said, I think 20, 200% organic podcasting revenue growth in the quarter. Last year was particularly, this, this is probably the easiest quarter to, to comp on advertising, so, uh, advertising revenue. But still, um, I think that's very meaningful. That's a very forceful statement. They obviously underperform in MAUs. Danny Life was forceful in saying that like they're back on track. Um, so we'll see. I think I think particularly in the podcasting and to Sleep's point, the advertising side, I, I think it's a uh, very bullish what they what's coming out. Yeah, I think even as as kind of stepping back even from podcasting advertising is really just the podcasting opportunity in general, which is kind of, it's kind of funny to think of them being early, but they've been at this for a handful of years now and they, they signed some big deals relatively early on. And we're seeing other players in the space also recognize the importance of podcasting. I think even just anecdotally as a user, you see them very effectively put those two different types of audio on one platform and it makes the user experience better. It increases consumption of those users. And obviously it has the ability to, to bend the economics to a certain extent over time. So it can be a very powerful thing for, for them to do. So I, I agree, it's really interesting. What do we think about from the quarter that uh, was more discouraging or even, even the first half of the year, you know, last couple quarters, what, what are you seeing that gives you some concerns? Yeah, well, the I mean, the MAU numbers, it's the second time they miss the guide as well as what, what Wall Street was, was expecting, right? I think it's, it's super important for, for them to execute on, on that side because that's obviously the top of funnel that, that eventually leads to, to a paying subscriber. And it's a, it's a very important metric, uh, obviously. I think they gave a couple of you know, valid reasons in terms of, of why, why, why that happened, uh, especially, you know, like, for example, them not spending anything on, on marketing in, in countries like India or, or others where, where they were pretty hard hit on, um, you know, with, for COVID reasons and, and were, were into basically full lockdown. So, I mean, obviously, as, as they pull back, pull back on marketing, you'd clearly expect a, a slowdown in, in these in these newer markets where they're maybe not as well known and then there was also an execution issue on the related to a third party kind of partner that they that they had that there was a problem on Spotify's end with with some some email confirmation issue or something like that but um, there were, we didn't get much more detail uh, on that specifically but you know I think Daniel was um, upfront in terms of, of, you know, kind of saying that they should, they should have probably, um, on, they, they probably underestimated the impact that, that last year had on, 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 you know, because it was such a, a strong year in terms of, of total, of total new, new MAUs. Um, but, you know, at the, at the same time, I, you know, I wish they, they would keep, they would give us a bit more details on, 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 you know, maybe on, on what their 
what they're planning to, to do about it, or maybe what they're seeing more specifically in competition in some of these markets, because clearly in, in I believe in, in some of them, there's already, you know, incumbent players that, that have been there already for, for a few years. So that's, that's obviously, you know, something to, to keep in mind. I don't think it, it changes the, the story for, for Spotify because at the same time, these markets are really, you know, they're nascent and, and it's just, you know, music, music is really just getting, music streaming is just really getting started. And so there's still a lot of room to grab and obviously Spotify is at a good position, but um, I think next quarters are, are going to be important for them to kind of just pick pick up that that cadence that we had been seeing on on the on the MAU growth, and I'm I'm pretty optimistic that that they can that they can sort of get back on track in terms of of what we had been seeing the past couple of years. Yeah, I think the MAUs is clearly the the biggest disappointment. I think if I the weird thing to me is that pandemic starts, consumption goes down because weekdays look like weekends for them. I think they said that a lot. And at the same time, it was an accelerant. And now they're, you know, they didn't know it was really an accelerant. Um, then they thought it was an accelerant and then they thought it would be underperforming new markets. And the weird thing about this year is that they added 80 plus markets. Uh, I think it's 85 in the beginning of the year. Granted, um, internet usage is a lot lower in some of these markets. And they didn't they couldn't really pinpoint um why MAU was so much slower, particularly in the beginning of the earlier part of the year. And now they they're basically admitted like, hey, um the, the new launches haven't gone as well. Particularly, could be local competition to your point, Sleep. Um, there's been countries like Brazil, India, Southeast Asia that they haven't performed as well either. And there's competition in those markets. So, you know, when they mention COVID, I think it mixed things up, but yeah, it's 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 a struggle, um, right? Some, sometimes they learn things, sometimes they, they, they don't. Um, they're adding a bunch of exclusive podcasts in, in India and other parts of the world. Um, some of these markets are also, uh, they, they claim that they shut down marketing that campaign. Not exactly clear why, because of the COVID was an accelerant and COVID went up in many of these markets. No, you could have accelerated potentially marketing, but they shut those down. They think those, those marketing expenses will, you know, pick up and, and I mean you go for follow. So it's just what's disappointing to me is that I think many many streaming companies look at the history of Netflix, there are underperforming quarters, there are underperforming periods, but if you trust the management team, they execute really well and they have a strategy to continue to, to grow and, and acquire customers and add more content and differentiate their, their service in the 90 day period. I think something that Alex has said a lot, you know, 90 days is a blip in history, right? What has been disappointing is that there's a little bit of less clarity of why certain things are performing the way they are. And any more, we got, a, I think we got a lot more reasonable color in this call versus the first quarter, I think. And this one, they admitted that the market launches were going well. They pinpoint a bunch of countries. Um, Pinpoint the marketing expense. So I, I was satisfied because of that, but obviously more clarity on what's really going on would be would be helpful, particularly in the rest of the world, because North America and Europe and, and some parts of Latin America seem that they're like you're doing pretty pretty well. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think it's go ahead, go ahead. No, uh, sorry, I was just gonna add, I think on the because that's a good good point that that Francisco made on the on the new market launches. And it kind of begs the question if they were maybe taking on too much by going after, you know, all those new markets at the at the same time. And after, you know, I've 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 had I guess a week now to to give give some thought to 
to the earnings report. And I think one thing that's, that's pretty clear is that they probably launched a little bit earlier. They could have prepared uh, better, but also it's not on their interest to wait too much again, because there's, there's already a lot of players in, in these, in these markets. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you have to strike that balancing act and, and you don't really want to stand still. And there's not, there's not as much low hanging fruit as, as they have seen in, in other countries where some, some of their launches, they, you know, like everybody already knew about Spotify and basically you didn't have maybe as many streaming options. So as, as soon as they launched, you just had all these users kind of flocking to the service, but it's probably not going to be the exact same case on these, on these other markets if that, if that makes sense. No, it does. And it, it dovetails nicely with some of the data you were sharing with us before, if you remember it, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, as we look at, as I follow companies like Netflix and others, understanding Netflix's COVID story for people who dig in the numbers is pretty easy. And they have competitors that report numbers. You can understand what's going on. My sense after, after going back and re-listening to some of Spotify's calls was at the end of 2020, they were really confident about coming into this year. Then the numbers kind of didn't come in as they hoped. And, you know, when you point to COVID as the reason why, it, it makes it difficult when you go back and look at the quarters last year and the numbers just don't really pan out that way. So, you know, to Fran, to Francisco's point, you look at the 2020 and 2021 cumulative numbers and average amount, they're better than 19. So it's not like we're talking about a disaster, but we had a good step up in 20 and now it looks like 21 is going to be a pretty good step back, but, but coming back to competition sleep, what was that data that you were kind of sharing with us earlier that, that kind of looked at the industry? Do you, you kind of remember off the top of yeah. your head? Yeah, I think it's, and, and that's a very interesting point when, when looking at, you know, quarterly misses that you get in, in user numbers and because it's either industry related or you're losing share to the competition. And obviously as one is worse than the, than, than the other, right? So there's a, there was a report recently by Media Research. Uh, they, they're very much focused on, on the music industry. So they're, they're very well known for, for some of the stuff they, they put out. And it said that in 2020, there were 100 million new music subscribers. And in the first quarter of 2021, there were 19 and a half uh, million new user subscribers. So if you kind of analyze that, you can see that there's, it's, 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 that number is still going to be lower than, than 2020, right? At, at right around 78 million. So it's consistent with what, what Spotify has been, has been seeing. And I, and I think that's important to, again, to, to keep an eye on because if, if everything else was accelerating what spot, while Spotify was decelerating, then that, that's probably a big problem, right? But it's not, it's not the case. And in this, in this same report, Spotify has basically kept their, their, their share of, of 32%. Um, it includes Tencent, which is not entirely fair because that's not a market Spotify is pressing in. So it kind of understates the true market share when you, when you think about it that way and they're not they're never going to be in, in in china at least not in in the next <laughs> in the next five years or so I, it would be my my guess but you know again go, going back to that i think with these kind of short-term blips it's easy to lose sight sometimes and it's good to kind of take a step back and and think about the, the big picture thesis and and, and, you know, for, for me, one of the big drivers of, of Spotify as an investment is, is just how large both the music and the audio industry will be in the, in the future. So if it's directionally going in the, in the right way, right, I think, I think that, that, that it might maintains my, my, my thesis. Obviously, always knowing that things will move around from a quarter to quarter basis. So you can't really... You shouldn't really make kind of impulsive decisions in, in, related to that, right? If you think about, you know, they're, they're positioning themselves against radio, and linear radio is in a secular decline, right? It's hard to get, you know, 
true listening data. I'm sure there's a couple good research report out, out there, but uh, radio advertising has been going down. And then you look at something like Pandora, right? Um, I think Pandora peaked monthly active users a couple years ago at over 80 million. We're about like mid 50 millions. And basically you can track it every single quarter is, is going down, right? And Pandora is, you know, I think it's only do primarily domestic or only domestic. I'm pretty sure it's only domestic. Um, and it's internet based, it's easy to use. At, at one point in time, it's a good product, probably still decent. Um, but every quarter, uh, monthly active users goes down. And that means they're going somewhere else, right? Um, probably primarily Spotify, but also competitors as well. Um, so this market's changing fast. Um, as you get more smart cars, right, where you get the, you know, the, the Google uh, car uh, interface or the Apple CarPlay, those are more opportunities to, to get someone hooked on Spotify. Um, so they have huge tailwinds and it's a global market, right? And there's a, there's a lot of things to like here. Uh, but what I do like about them is, and Danny and I talked about it, they you know, iterate moving fast. And when you compare, you know, their quarterly calls from like late 2018 to today is very different, right? And then, and then mid, you know, early 2019, which is a podcasting, but now it's basically like, having every podcast on, even if you pay on someone else's platform, now you can pay, adding features to pay on their platform, having, uh, you know, I know you want to talk about later their, their live product, um, and potentially also live concerts, getting exclusive podcasts, getting a huge hosting company in-house. This company is changing very fast right in front of us, and a big part of that is to have a more more and more and more differentiated service right and you know you can take like an amazon music and you know they're, they're probably still catching up to where spotify was a year or two ago right and probably youtube music as well so i think it's really good of them to to keep pushing and improving um so that they so basically, so their lead is, is continues because the, the thesis predicates on them being number one um, globally uh, by a mile. And I think they can maintain that based on everything they're doing. Um, and, you know, I, I think if we see more and more exclusives and more and more features and user growth coming in well, I think good things will kind of flow through for the other parts of the business, right? And particularly expanding gross margin long term, which I think is something extremely important for them to, for them to do. No, I think it's a it's a really important point, you know, what you're saying about how, how much the calls have changed. I think it really again, listening to a lot of the things that that they've done or really X done, you know, like on the record or this the the Spotify a product story or even his appearance on uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy's show it's just so obvious how important or how valuable it can be to truly have focus and they're testing a bunch of things and they're going to make strategic missteps at times and not everything's going to work out so you know for me it's kind of funny I think about it the equivalent of when people point at any one podcast that they bring on for O&E and talking about the economics of it. I just think back, it's the equivalent of if in like 2013 or 2014, you were nitpicking whether House of Cards was a good show or Lilyhammer was a good show or whatever show was a great show that justified the investment. It's just, in my mind, it's almost thinking about it completely wrong. And Spotify is competing against companies to the point you just made that are, they just don't have any of the same, I don't know if incentives is the right word. They're, they're just not, solely focused on winning and having global scale or global leader, leadership in this category. And it's, I, I think it's definitely going to show in, in the products that they put in front of customers already today, but even more so one, two, five years down the road. So I think it's a massive advantage. Now that assumes that you actually trust management, you trust their vision, which I think they do a very good job in general of laying out for 
for people to decide whether or not they do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they mentioned once again, I think it's, I always go back to that metric because I definitely think it's it's one of the most important ones. But but Daniel again said that according to their other studies, the engagement in, in Spotify is is over two, sometimes as high as three times versus their competitors, which I think it's impressive and speaks a lot to how superior the product is, right? Yeah, it's the kind of data point that when you hear it, you can't, you have to stop and think about what that really means because it's insanely yeah. impressive. It almost doesn't make sense. <laughs> and you, yeah. and you, really, you really need to think about it because it's very, very, very important. And, and look, you know, when, when they put their, their resources onto something, and look what they can achieve. Basically, some of this is industry tailwinds, but a lot of it's uh, Spotify's efforts, right? In at the end of the, the third quarter last year, they had 1.9 million broadcasts on the platform. They have at the end of the second quarter that you just reported, it's 2.9 million broadcasts on the platform. So a million broadcasts in three quarters uh, that they added. And think about starting a podcast app today. I think about the smaller podcast apps and just like getting everything right and being one of the ones that people think about like I have to be you know I'm starting a new podcast of a big podcast show what do I have to be used to be everyone saying you know write me a review on Apple Podcasts at the end of the shows right you know now it's like a lot of them are starting with Spotify first um, the reason is because they dedicated so much resources right to, to be a true audio platform to truly cater to podcasts. I think a couple of weeks ago, I got a, a notification on, on Spotify. I don't know if it was an email or in the app, but it kind of took me to a link to show me how to like get podcasts from other apps. So if, you know, Apple Podcasts, for example, and port all the shows that you watch onto Spotify from another podcast app. And that's important because the hardcore podcast users will listen to many, many shows or at least follow many, many shows. And it's kind of a pain to go to a new app and start adding all these shows one by one and then doing your list, et cetera. And they made it really easy for you to just kind of switch, right? And put all your shows and data and just things like that, right? No one's really doing, you know, Apple's not doing that um, or, you know, Stitcher or others or, they're doing all these things and you can even see uh new features that they're adding to podcasting like on a almost on a month-to-month basis uh so i think it wouldn't surprise me if a year or two or, or two from now you know, we see even a bigger evolution in this company right um because they're just they're juggling a lot of balls right now and, and to alex's points because they're gonna they're trying to maintain their lead and doing a good job of it um, these other companies can't really focus like they do. Yeah, I think another part of it too is as you, as you, you obviously we're all, we're all somewhat younger and we're obviously very interested in this space and we follow it very closely and we use the product and all that. Sometimes when you step back and look at the numbers and you see, you know, the changes not only across demographics, but even within demographics in terms of usage on something like podcasts, it's still incredibly nascent. I mean, as Spotify's, Spotify's own numbers show, they, they went from 30 million monthly active users for podcasts to 90 million in two years. They're going to be north of 100 very shortly. And to the point you kind of made, I, I, I think about the comment I told you once, Francisco, about a, a comedian I heard on a podcast who was talking about uh, selling his next special and Comedy Central offered him more money and he went with Netflix because as he said, the exposure is just worth, worth so much to me. I mean, I think that same idea is going to apply here in a lot of ways. And before we came on, I opened Spotify real quick and I had a pop-up for Armchair Expert with a new episode with Matt Damon. And I mean, I think, think about putting that in front of millions of people potentially for shows that I don't know how many downloads his show gets, but let's say it's a handful of million. I mean, that's a that's a big step up in your reach for people who are potentially right in your target audience. So it, these are the kind of things that can really matter for artists. It's not always just about the 
the last dollar that they're going to get for a check. So I think these things, they matter today, but I think if this plays out the way that the two, the three of us think it can, it'll matter a lot more two or three years from now. Well, um, the Call Her Daddy podcast, uh, it's Alex Cooper, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said in one of, she did a bunch of uh, interviews a couple weeks ago. She said she got a, a bigger offer than Spotify. Right. Um, and she took the Spotify offer. Um, and I think, you think some of these are interesting because you think about the Obamas, right? They did a, they did a Netflix deal because they want to make content that, that, uh, for a particular audience, but also a global audience, and to get it in front of as many people as possible, video content. So they go with Netflix. They they started an audio production company. They went to Spotify. And this was, you know, I think even like last year, mid last year, early last year. Uh, those this this kind of tide, right? This tailwind is is only pushing further and further, right? And I think you'll see more people wanting to go to potentially Spotify and they're going to have the budget um, to, to do it. I think look at, look at a deal that Amazon did. Amazon um, Amazon Music started combining adding their podcast apps and when, when they added podcasts they started with like 70,000 podcasts right? I think Spotify was already over 2 million and now they're closer to 3. So not a lot of people are listening to podcasts on Amazon Music but they still have a, a lot of music and they did a deal with um, it's called Smartless with the, the trio of actors who have a very popular podcast, and they paid him like basically call her daddy type of type of money, so a lot of money. But it's only like a week exclusive, and then it's all platforms. I think Spotify is almost at a point where you know they, they've tested some of their podcasts and are not ex- their own podcasts. Not all of them are exclusive. You look at the ringer; they still launch new podcasts, and they're not necessarily exclusive. Um, but as you think about going forward and forward and forward, there'll be a lot more exclusives and people that won't care or maybe prefer to to be exclusive with Spotify, particularly because the audience will be there—a global audience um, and a highly engaged audience. So these are you know self-reinforcing, self-reinforcing things that they've kind of pushed really hard on. Um, so I'm very encouraged to see how they continue to develop that. Yeah, and I think something that I've kind of, and, and we've talked about this, right? We've kind of realized in the past couple of months that they've shifted some of their, not only their narrative, but I think even their actual like company mission is, is now also focused on the creator side. Right, so they want they want to be the best place for creators. They want to give them the best tools, the best you know the, the best means of monetization, etc. So that's yet another reason for all these all these people, both on the podcasting side as well as the artists, to really spend time thinking about their you know how how they use Spotify on that supply side. Right, so I think that's that's super important and can prove to be an advantage as well going forward. And I think when you focus on creators, it's interesting, right? Because audio is, you know, many, many music streaming. Uh, some people used to say or still say that streaming music is a commodity. You go on Apple Music and you got all the Drake songs and you go to Spotify and you got all the Drake songs, right? And there's very little differentiation. But you focus on creators and audio, all audio and podcasting just supercharges what you're saying and they're really not like a netflix right because you you compare all music as a commodity it's in every app and then netflix they have a lot of content it's exclusive but they're a combination of like netflix and youtube right because you you think about like a a call her daddy podcast archer expert exclusives you know high quality production right things like podcast and, and other you know prime type of uh, thriller podcast that, are, that Spotify has very highly produced. And then you go to the other extreme, which is, you know, YouTube, anyone can upload anything. They want to have both, right? They want to be, you know, they said audio browser, basically anything audio, right? Any speech or talk or whatever, just everything, just post it online. So they want to be like 
basically the YouTube of audio, but combining kind of the Netflix uh, exclusivity and high production as well. And, and to have that mentality, you really need to focus on, to your point, sleep, the creator, right? So what's best for the creator? If I have a, if I'm a creator and have an audio subscription outside of Spotify, how can I basically have that for Spotify as well? And you see what, what they've done with, with Strategory and, and having the open access uh, platform. Um, so, and, and how they have a megaphone part of the companies and it's just uh, it, inserting ads um, so they can monetize pretty well. So, basically tying all these forms of media. So sometimes people look at Spotify and they try to, you know, I think it's good to compare them with Netflix, but it's it's not Netflix, right? It's it's not a, it's not a Hulu, it's not an Amazon. Because when it's audio, the real winner is just gonna have everything. So you have to have that bucket of like YouTube creator economy um, mentality. Uh, but at the same time, the high production Netflix uh, subscription catered content mentality as well. So I think they've been a lot more aggressive and basically just focusing on produce audio. We want you to be on Spotify. You know, I still used to listen to, used to use a, the Apple Podcast app because there's they could do that in terms of like having paid content that not necessarily was within Apple and Spotify added that feature because they realize that they just need to they need to give you every single reason to, to be on their platform for a user and a creator um, so how they keep developing that going forward is is going to be very telling but I think they're to Steve's point I think I think they said they're at eight million creators. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that includes like music as well. Um, they went up to 50 million, right? Um, so that goes to show that they want a lot more content on the platform. I think one kind of thing that ties in, maybe exclusivity is not the right word, which you were just talking about, but it's more how they differentiate the product. And I thought it was an interesting part from the, the Q2 letter was the idea of tape, taking something like, is it called, is it called your daily drive? I think is what it's called. Yep. Daily drive. And, and what it essentially is, is I'd never looked at it before this. So I'm sure there's other people who haven't essentially what they do is uh, build a playlist for you. That'll have something like, you know, in the U S it'll be something like a five or 10 minute NPR segment. Hey, here's just the news. Then it also builds in some of the, the songs or music that you like, or have been listening to lately. It'll, it'll tie in some other, you know, newsy or podcast type content. It's just funny to think about for me, that's a way to differentiate that doesn't really require anything new. It just requires a real, again, focus and understanding of the problem you're trying to solve for, which obviously this idea of people driving in their cars and listening to radio is something that they've talked about many times now, at least I've heard. So it's just, it's another interesting example of how a company that's so incredibly focused on this one thing is going to find solutions to problems that, again, nobody at Apple is looking at this or cares about this. I, I think I can pretty safely say that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's one of those really notable things about this is, and it's, I also like the idea of, I'm thinking about this more and more as an investor, you know, there, there's an idea that you want to find monopolies or moats and companies that really have a lot of differentiation. And what I think is interesting, at least as a thought exercise is think about companies that have created moats or built really good businesses by selling commodities for lack of a better term. Like think of a Costco. I mean, they sell peanut butter or eggs or chicken, just like every other grocer in the country does or in the world does. So what have they been able to do that made it a really good business? Netflix, when they started off in DVDs also, but even early in streaming, why did they have, why were they able to maintain such a leadership position relative to Hulu, which should have had better content, right? I mean, they were backed by very large media companies. They should have had the budgets been able to succeed. Why did Netflix beat them so so meaningfully for many 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 years those those things for me are really interesting to think about and it's also inter- interesting to think about what that gets you to on the other side as if you make it through that period if you continue to dominate i think that's a, a really interesting exercise for people to think about and i think it really applies here 
Yeah. Part of that is these companies, it's like do or die, right? Um, right. If, if you are a company that's in a very highly competitive environment and you are doing very, very well, right, then you probably have culture-related aspects or just business processes uh, aspects or you, you, you keep changing, you have the best people, um, a lot of different things, right? It's, but those companies are very, very strong, right? If you, if you were in, your Costco is kind of example, right? What more difficult industry and in very, very low margins, highly competitive, right? Um, over time, companies have come and gone like crazy. And if you are a survivor and you thrive, there's something to that. Um, I think there have been a lot of, you know, widened title, uh, become Spotify or Spotify because they launch with the artists being the owners. Uh, so you have aligned incentive and ownership and those artists benefiting from title doing well. Why couldn't title uh, get the the subscription growth that Spotify or other, right? So it's companies that you know burn the boats mentality, but you can't just say burn the boats and that's it. You just have to continually execute um, in environments that change fairly quickly. I think those are companies to, we all want companies that's just you know, very safe, predictable, a lot of free cash flow, but you know, those aren't necessarily always the companies that, that are, just, many of those are very good investments, but highly, highly, highly competitive industries that have very, very successful uh, number one players can be just as good, right? Yeah, and I think that the part of what makes me even say this is I'm thinking about what Eck kind of said. I think he said this towards the end, of the end of the call. He said, I think the big thing analysts should focus on is the shift of Spotify from a premium subscription music service to an audio platform. The business model of Spotify now is fundamentally very different than what it has been in the past. So, you know, again, as always, people can listen to that and say, well, that's just BS and you're trying to find a business model and, and maybe they'll be right. But I, I think for me, having listened to, listened to this management team and this company and having a pretty good understanding of their history, I, I, I see some things that are really, really interesting. And I think he's on to something. So. And I think that advertising revenues is, is going to be the real, real tell if he's executing on that platform. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I've, I've come to appreciate more and more the past couple of years as, you know, you try to evolve as an investor and one of the best ways to, to, to make money in companies like this is to figure something out, especially like a new revenue stream before everyone else does, right? One of those things that's not really being priced in at the, at the moment. And we saw it with, with Amazon and AWS and now advertising on, on their end as well and kind of playing out, which was, was incredible, right? But it's, it's interesting exactly what you say with, with advertising. And, and Alex, I have the, the transcript here in front of me and literally what he says after, after what you just read is you're starting to see that shift come through with advertising, but I suspect over time, there will be more tools and services that are driving and delivering here that will then all start impacting the overall results in different ways. So that's where they have their heads at, basically. We know they're working on new revenue streams. There's, there's no question about that. So what do we, this is a very vague question, but so we're at, you know, we're at 25% of MAUs listening to podcasts. The numbers, obviously, very short period of time, but it's leveled off a little bit here for, or we think it's leveled off for the past three to six months. Maybe it's up a tick. Um, what do we need to see a very significant increase in the percentage of MAUs listening to podcasts? Do we need to see engagement? Is all of this pot or a large part of this podcast driven, or are, are there other ways they can make this happen? And maybe, Maybe something like two-sided is worth talking about here and, and labels willingness or reticence to even consider using these tools. Yeah. And, al and also just to add on, also 
maybe to the extent you know, an, an artist's incentives or interest in a service or a, a two-sided marketplace tool versus a label's incentives. Meaning, you know, it's, there's this example from the FT article that, hey, the ROI on, on taking a lower per stream rate effectively is worth it because we, we see it on the back end in terms of listening and concert ticket sales does that logic apply for the record label as well? Or do they have some different incentives? I think it's definitely different because obviously the, the labels are much more, you know, it, it, they're huge institutions and they tend to, as we know, maybe not embrace new technologies and new initiatives by going all in, obviously. So, it's completely understandable for them to be kind of just testing this out and, and seeing how this goes. They have sure. marketing plans in place where they spent billions of dollars in aggregate to promote and market these, these artists that have been working well for them in all honesty, right? Um, for the past, I mean, call it five to 10 years, which is when kind of streaming made uh, yeah, a lot better, a lot better than the time before that. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> but but they, they're it's very ingrained in how they operate, right? So it, it makes sense that this is not a huge part of, of their focus, even if it's even if the numbers are, you know, kind of making making sense for them. I think that the interesting part is, as you said, is is maybe more on the independent side and and the kind of the do-it-yourself artist because they are much more limited in terms of, of what and where they spend their marketing dollars on. So they have to be a lot more selective, right? The, I mean, a, a label, a, a, like a big label artist you'll see is going to get promoted in Times Square, right? But that, that's not going to be an option for a, for a small artist. So they really have to focus their resources on where they're getting the best ROI. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if a lot of these, you know, the, the, the growth and, and the, I guess you can call it the percentage of, of these, this new two-sided marketplace initiative gets um, a lot more exposure from, from that side of the, of, of the business, both the independence and the, and the do-it-yourself artists. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense for, for, for them, for sure. I, th I think there's two ways um, that Spotify can win here, right? Think, think about the two-sided marketplace, promoting artists and Spotify paying a lower rate. If the universals of the world and the Warners of the world, the Sony's of the world start using those products heavily, right? It's obviously a grand slam for Spotify. Margins will mm -hmm. improve drastically and that'll be just, you know, home run. The other way I think, and this is the more likely way to your point on the FT article and the the, the small band using two-sided marketplace features to get discovered and, and pay a lower rate. It was these very, very small, small artists, right? And it ties into the creator type of economy and opportunities that Spotify is tackling. We've seen over time that the percentage of streaming for um, the top artists keeps increasing in terms of the, the, the top artists that are being listened to. So, you know, it's the, the most, I forget the exact stat that Spotify cites, but basically they say that the number of artists in the top tier of streaming hours just keeps expanding, right? There's just more and more and more and more content from more and more and more artists you can discover. But if you take, you know, the lower half of that, these people are not making a living off the streaming anyways, right? They're going on tours. When you think about the two-sided marketplace and you're like a local band and you got a following and you go to different little uh, joints to, to sing and, you know, you can get some good revenue and, um, from tickets. Um, using the two-sided marketplace, it's a no-brainer, right? Because well, assuming that you go to Spotify, hey, you know, you're paying me a lower rate, but you're going to target everybody in these markets and these type of demographics and, you know, people that listen to my type of uh, similar music. And, you know, if I'm a pop band and 
some random town and target people around this town. And it can be a huge hit as over time, there's a lot more and more and more card, uh, artists, right? They want to go from 8 million per meter to 15 million. A lot of that is music. There's a lot more people uploading music on Spotify. There's a, there's a bigger pool of people that can use these tools. So would it be a grand slam with Universal? He's a heavy user, yes. That could still happen, right? But I think it could be still very, very good for Spotify for, for a lot of independent bands to use this. The other point is what you mentioned, Alex, is do we need the 25% of MAUs that's kind of remained there the past couple quarters? 25% of MAUs that are listening to engaging with uh, podcast that's kind of stayed stable or is a slight uptick this quarter. I think we do need to see that go higher. And I think they're working on that. And I think it's not an entire coincidence that in the month of July, we're getting two very high profile US podcasts coming exclusive, right? I do not think that's a coincidence. I think they're focusing on getting, you know, the pop-up that you got when you opened the Spotify app earlier today on Armchair Expert. They're trying to move more and more and more people onto podcasting. And I think that will be successful. And yes, you're gonna have periods, you're still getting a lot of growth, right? Because MAUs is going up percentage of 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 MAUs engaging with podcasts is the same or slightly higher, then obviously you're still growing uh, the amount of podcast listeners. But yes, I think you do want more, you know, it's not gonna be 50% overnight, right? But you know, 26, 27, 30, 35, right? I think that'll make a huge, huge difference. Um, so yeah, so those are the those two things. I mean, those are the two things that are really going to move the needle here for for Spotify, right? Getting two side marketplaces to really work. It's really going to improve margins, and getting podcast engagement to go up and content uploaded, exclusives, and ad inventory. That's also really going to move the needle. And they called out those two things in this call. They said they had, we don't know exactly, right? We would love more details, but they didn't, they said gross margins did improve because of the two-sided marketplace tools. And they did say that they're starting to see that they can get real leverage from engagement going to podcasting. So those are the two things we really, I mean, they're juggling a lot of balls and, and many different features and initiatives and new revenue streams to sleep's point that they're thinking about there's rumors about um, an additional subscription tier focus on podcast um, obviously the, the the features that you can pay for other podcast content on spotify as well sure there's a lot of other things but i think watching closely how two-sided marketplace develops and now we're getting high profile articles like the ft's paying attention to this right so i think we're going to get more of more information over time yeah then also seeing how you know really how the percent of them may use engagement with, with, with podcasts how that continues to evolve right um i would not be surprised if you get an uptick in that this quarter particularly those are two high profile exclusions in july and then if we see more exclusive announcements, I think that's just, um, that's something to pay attention to. Because uh, I think that's very, kind of shows you that they keep pushing. It's like every time Netflix made a deal for some library content or exclusive content or, or a, a TV producer sign exclusively with them, you know, you got to pay attention to those things. So whatever exclusives that they do, I think it's it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as well if if they start maybe increasing the pace of of their exclusives, but maybe start going down the charts, right? Like not not only the top twenty, top fifty, but maybe do things with with podcasters that have I don't know fifty thousand, hundred thousand listeners and, and things like that. Um, we'll see. There's there's definitely there's definitely going to be a lot of news. <laughs> And in this in this part in the in the next couple couple of months, we're, we know they're still focused on it, and they still have, uh, I mean, they still have a lot of cash in hand. I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, an actual like substantial deal with with something 
figure that we would imagine, right? Not not just the ones that we've that we've been seeing the last year or so. So we'll we'll see. We're probably running kind of long. I don't know how long we've been on here, but it feels like it's been a good amount of time. I'm loving it. We could keep going for hours, I'm sure. Maybe we'll maybe we'll finish up with let's talk a little bit about live audio. I mean, obviously it's still pretty still pretty nascent. Um sounds like green room or the green room is going to stay, stay a separate app for now. They're obviously going to try to, even if they don't build it directly into the app, they're obviously going to try to find ways to integrate it, to build off the scale that they've already developed on the core Spotify app. What do you, what do you guys think about what's going on in live the industry as a whole, Spotify specifically, whatever is of interest to you? Yeah, well, it's, it's super early, right? It's even, I'd, I'd say it's, it's definitely maybe five to 10 years earlier than, or behind podcasts, right? Because it's a completely new medium. And in many ways, it was Clubhouse that made a lot of these bigger platforms, including Spotify, wake up to, to, the, to this live format, right? So I think they went about it in the right way by acquiring instead of, of building it and they kind of hinted at that in the call because they really wanted to get a product in front of the users as fast as possible. And, and they indeed did that by buying Locker Room and rebranding it as Green Room in a matter of like 90 days or something. So it's going to be a lot of experimenting. I think they're going to be trying out different things, you know, things like probably uh, ticketed uh, rooms and uh, once the podcast subscriptions start being rolled out, I'm, I'm guessing premium podcast subscribers will have access to like Q and A Q&A with a podcaster and, and, and things like that. And, and uh, we'll see. I mean, we know there's a lot of, obviously Twitter spaces has been, I'd say pretty decently successful, especially in, in certain niches. And we'll see how the Facebook product um, develops over, over the next few months. I think one aspect that I, that makes me probably more optimistic than others when it comes to Spotify here is, is that people underestimate how important it is for kind of the consumer, the consumer habit of associating a platform with audio versus not right. Cause people don't really think about audio in, in, in Facebook. But if you, if you look at what happened with podcasts in Spotify and how they basically became the number one player in something like three years, speaks to the fact that everyone thinks of them as an audio platform, right? So it's, it shouldn't be terribly difficult for them to take a decent chunk of this, of this market going, going forward. And again, it goes back to you know, building the right platform for both creators and, 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 and fans, right? And, and this is yet another way for, for both of these to engage with each other. And it'll be super interesting to see that play out. Yeah, I think about it, I agree with Sleep. I think about it in two different ways. Um, these live audio conversations, that, you know, all the platforms are going to do it. Um, Spotify needed to be there. Spotify inherently wasn't really a social platform, and this allows them to get some social muscle. Um, so we can talk about um, they might be behind, say, like Clubhouse and Leader or Twitter Spaces because on Twitter Spaces, you, know, you guys have a bunch of followers. So if you want to start a live audio, it's really easy that people are, that are interested in your content to, to go there and listen to you. Spotify does have advantages as well, right? Um, they have a lot of uh, actual audio creators on their platform that focus on this and, and you know, all into the stack, right? They're just uh, the hobbyists to Joe Rogan's type of exclusive, very high quality content. They have relationships, right? You can leverage these relationships to also do audio content that's live, right? So you, think, you can think about the next. It would not be surprising to deal that they did with Alex Cooper from Call Me Daddy. It was like, hey, how about, you know, at some point in the future, you use Greenwood um, to engage with your fans. And I think it's just another, like your, your point, Alex, maybe they don't, they don't combine these apps so 
maybe ever, but they're going to be intertwined. So if you have your podcast on Spotify, Alex, and you know people you know, love your podcast and engage with it, you might ping somebody like, hey, Alex is talking live on Green Room, and you follow his podcast on Spotify, right? Things like that. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. A lot of people follow the, the Bill Simmons podcast. Well, if you follow the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify, it can ping you when he's live on Green Room. And when he's live on Green Room, eventually it could convert to a, to a podcast. And then he'll tell you in that podcast, hey, I was live and I took people's questions. Come on next week. So they have a lot of advantages here that they can work with, right? And then musicians as well, huge tool, right? You know, music parties, uh, listening parties, and album launches, people who analyze music, uh, the ringer in sports, obviously, like, I think one of the Spotify's podcasts, they talked about how they have a relationship with, with a UFC commentator, and after the last UFC pay-per-view fight with Conor McGregor, he did a green room, and a bunch of people went on, it was a, like a record, um, so sports is inherently live at the moment, commentary, right? So they have a lot of ways that they can succeed really well. And I think just my gut always tell me that they sort of need to be here, um, even if they weren't like the super leader, right? Even if they can't just dominate ROI, it's impossible. But I think it's good that they're, they're here. They're going to continue experimenting, they're going to continue to improve the app, continue to intertwine the apps. Um, and the relationship with creators will be tied strongly to to both, right? So you can imagine a situation where you know, enterprise, if you will, customer on megaphone and have all the tools to like your green room, your on demand, here's how you can do it, here's how you, you know, take the live thing, goes to on demand podcast automatically, but also the the hobbyist podcasters as well. So I think they needed to have that muscle of live. Um, because there's a lot of things that can leverage it. So on the other hand, right, just leaves points. Very, very early days, right? Just uh, even monetizing this, uh, there's going to be a lot more investment, a lot more improvement. You know, they're still behind us. The standalone app is obviously hasn't gotten anywhere, anywhere near the downloads that that a, uh, that a clubhouse has gotten. Um, and there's other apps. I forget the name, Alex, that we discussed it briefly. There's a, another live app focused on musicians that apparently has gotten like a million downloads um, over the past yeah, couple, forget couple the name. months. Um, and so there's going to be competition. So I think it's good that they have this uh, and they have, they're focused on it. And you want to be the audio browser, audio platform of the world, you need to have live, right? So I think it's something to watch. It's a very, very long-term bet. Um, but it's good that they're good that they're in this area. Yeah, I think that's that's a good place to wrap, unless you guys have anything else to to add on. I want to find that uh trying to find the name of that thing. Yeah, just so uh quickly station head station head that's pretty quick that was impressive found that quick um so yeah i think they uh they got in the second in the second quarter 1.6 million users um total hosts in the second quarter is 13,000 music focus i think they've had a couple of of the needs but some very high quality artists singers on the platform so yeah the, this space is going to continue to be extremely competitive and i think it's good that's, that's you know spotify knows how to compete uh so it's good that they're in the space yeah they do and they know how to they know how to innovate they know how to test and they know how to be open-minded which again i've come back to this five times but for me as, as someone who's a long-term investor and i feel i'm in, in many ways in betting on management teams and betting on execution those things are incredibly important and you see it in in small ways that seem kind of silly but even the spotify product story 
the last episode of the podcast, they kind of had a little bit of an interactive Q and a thing kind of built into the landing page or whatever you would call it. It's just, and it's a, it's a dumb little thing, but it just shows you the way that they think and, and how accepting they are of the fact that they're not going to predict what the future is going to be, but they're going to be very fast followers and they're going to test things. And some of it won't work, but you hit a few things big and, you have a very, very, very big business five, 10, 20 years down the road. Absolutely. So with that, all right, sleepwell cap on Twitter and sleepwell.substack.com. Go sign up for the Substack. Thank and then you. at at Franco Oliveira, you have, I don't know, we were talking about it today for the tenth time someone said you're criminally underfollowed, which <laughs> I a thousand percent agree with. <laughs> So Munger Media, like 5,000 okay. followers. This is a joke. So we've got to get that up 10, 20, 100,000. Let's make that happen, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for coming on. Had a great time. We'll definitely do this again. It's great. Sure. Thanks, Alex.